All right, welcome to Cosmic Disclosure. I'm your host, David Wilcock, and we are here for another exploration into the far reaches of the unknown with Corey Good. Corey, welcome to the show. Thank you. I want to talk for a little bit about Operation Northwoods. These documents were actually approved by the Joint Chiefs of Staff during the Kennedy administration. There was approval for a plan to fake the hijacking of passenger airliners and to blame it on Cuba to create a cause for them to invade Cuba. Now, first of all, I guess what I want to ask you is, have you ever encountered Operation Northwoods or other plans similar to this within government? Similar plans, yes. Well, we actually know the Northwoods documents are authentic. They were formally released by the U.S. government, declassified. Wow. Nobody's talked about this. One of their quiet releases? Yes, and one of the things that's so shocking about Northwoods is that they openly say that they would use actors who would... Crisis actors. Crisis actors yeah. who would pretend to have been on the ships, but they're actually CIA personnel, and that they would do what needed to be done if they're part of a catastrophe to act out on camera the part that they're supposed to play, and that CIA employees would be put on the planes as passengers, but that those planes would be replaced with drones that were actually then crashed. So the real plane is not used. The use of crisis actors is a dirty trick that the intelligence community has been using for a long time. And this has recently come out in the alternative community. So this information coming out is very real and very damaging to them. What is a crisis actor based on your personal understanding? People that will come in and, for whatever the crisis is, come in and pretend to be under distress or whatever is called for, even pretend to be injured, pretend to be fatalities. They were used quite a bit in the FEMA training when I was in the Texas State Guard for FEMA certifications, joint training between uh, you know, state and local authorities. They would have crisis actors come in. It's something that's widely used. But these are alleged training exercises which were not being portrayed to the public as real. Right. Okay. There are a large number of people that are trained crisis actors. Well, isn't it also interesting that a lot of times when these allegedly terrorist events or natural disasters take place, that there seem to be military drills. Like there were five different military drills on the day of 9-11 involving hijacked airliners. Why would the cabal make these drills where they're putting emergency personnel in place when they're going to do something that's going to hurt people and injure people? What's, what's the idea behind that? Well, usually they'll have them there for operational support if things don't go to plan or if things go further than they had planned, they're going to have these people to come in and restore peace or come in and cover things up. What would be an example of something going further than they'd planned? Well, let's say, and I, I don't have information, uh, any of the information about 9-11, but let's say that they wanted to just topple one tower and they ended up toppling both towers the Building 7, and then ended up 
taking out some other assets that they didn't plan on. If they were using micro nukes or uh, secret space technology, somehow that uh, came, was exposed in the operation, then these people would move in real quick, media blackout, and, and find a way to cover it up. Um, if it goes to plan, then they're just on uh, a coincidental uh, training operation. If somebody sees something that they're not supposed to see, are these teams going to assassinate that person? Would they inject them with sodium pentothal and try to blank out their mind? What are some of the things that would happen? Any number of things. Usually threats are enough. But could there also be, you had mentioned in other episodes, this blank slate technology? Would some of these people actually have a version of that that they could use if needed? If, yeah, if they needed to. They, could, they have plenty of tools they could pull out of their little bag of tricks. But uh, usually good old-fashioned intimidation does the job, especially if people have people they love or some, something to lose, which most people do. What would someone actually say if they were going to do the intimidation? Like, let's say that I'm the person and you're threatening me. What would you say to me? Well, um, you're asking me to take a bunch of leaps here, but uh, uh, I, would, I would assume that these special access program, black ops, wet works guys, wouldn't uh, mince words. They would get straight to the point. And let them know that something very specific would happen to their child, something very disturbing, or someone they love, or they could become destitute, or um, be known as a child molester, or any number of things. Mm. So uh, the delivery of the threat could be tailored for the person. Are there any uh, training protocols that are used in terms of how to deliver the threat to make it as intimidating as possible? Are there certain techniques to make it scarier that are followed? Yes. They will control the environment. They, they'll, they set up everything, the, the whole psychology of the environment, the way they stand, the body language they use, the way they use their voice, the way they have the person sit, everything is done a certain way. What about the eye contact? Is it like a very intense eye contact, unblinking, unwavering? It, well, yeah, it just it just depends. But they they have, it, and it depends on the person, uh, the per, the way the person's acting. You have to tailor it. Has, it has to be tailored to the person. Something like this Operation Northwoods document that's extremely treasonous and shocking. Now we know that John Fitzgerald Kennedy did not approve the plan. But it appears that all of the top-level military brass from each division felt that this was an acceptable strategy to create a war with Cuba, which they wanted to have, but the American public was not hip to it. What you need to understand about the people that come up with these ideas and these think tanks, that these ideas are then submitted to places like the DOD and um, these, the State Department, these people believe in order out of chaos. So they also use chaos to redirect attention away from things. And um, we see that very clearly with the refugee crisis that's going on, that's been going on for a while. That's very much engineered. Hundreds of thousands of people from Syria that are flooding into Europe and other locations. 
that is the type of plan that comes out of these think tanks. When you say order out of chaos, some people would be familiar with the image of a eagle with two heads that is clutching a banner that says Ordo Ab Chao, which means order out of chaos in Latin. Is this a religious belief that these people have? Yes. And how far back does this religious belief trace? I mean, Latin would imply Roman Empire. It goes much further than that. What, did, what do they say? How did the universe come about? Order out of chaos. Uh, they believe there was a great explosion, a great amount of chaos. And after that chaos, order came about, and here we are. Um, and it, they have macro, micro and macro examples of that they use hmm. in explaining why order out of chaos is the natural order of things. The emperor of Rome, Scipio Africanus, being caught in a scandal where he was bribing the enemy, the, the leader of the enemy country, Antiochus, with 3,000 gold coins. He got caught, and he ended up ripping up the books in front of the Colosseum when he was accused of this. Now, this is like 200-something B.C., but right there you have a Roman emperor caught bribing the leader of the enemy country that they're at war with. That implies, that's just like one little thing you can peel up the rug on. That implies the Roman Empire may have been actually collaborating with the people they're at war with. Do you have any evidence of it going back that far, of this kind of treasonous high-level collusion going on? Yes, on, uh, on a very high level, including uh, a level that is what we would call not surface uh, civilization involved. Uh, interference from inner earth civilizations and non-terrestrial civilizations manipulating the secret earth government syndicates, people that we call the elite or the cabal, manipulating them or these groups looking at these other groups that I just mentioned, ET, inner earth as gods and carrying out their bidding. Well, now, the presence of the swastika or swastika symbol all over the world, all these ancient cultures have it. And that would imply, since a lot of these lands are warring with each other, the swastika group, which was one of the more negatively oriented groups that you met down there, has been meeting with all these different folks that are at war with each other and presenting themselves as gods, but they're actually helping both sides of the war. Would you say that's true? Not necessarily helping both sides of the war. Usually when the manipulation was going on, it was us on the planet being a proxy or kind of like a game of chess. We're pawns, and they are playing from the inner earth against the non-terrestrials that they call the genetic farmers. It is... Uh, a, a very complex game or war that they're, a non-hot war that they're fighting with each other using us as um, the pawns. And our kings are the ones that they've been in contact with, and our kings are the ones that have been indoctrinated and instilled with all these belief systems such as the um, 
you know, you get, uh, you know, you create chaos and then you get order. And they use these tactics on us pawns or the population. So this would take the form of these, in some cases, Aryan-looking humans appearing in the office of the king in his royal chamber, yes. just popping in there? Yes. Which would be very shocking. Yes. There's, um, among the conversations I had with Kari from the Anshar, they've appeared with people making decisions throughout history, appeared and guided them in making decisions, including with our own beginning of our own United States. This is a kind of a ridiculous question, but when you illustrated your meeting with them in the temple, they were all wearing robes. Are they going to appear in front of these kings in robes, or what type of clothing might they be wearing? I could not answer that question. Okay. Yeah. I had the mind meld with Kari, and she was meeting these different people. She wore several different skin-tight suits of, diff of differing colors. They, they may appear in that type of garb instead of the robe. The robe it was more of a ceremonial thing that was related to the temple complex. Are these like a single solid color? The, the jumpsuits? The jumpsuits, yes, they were. Okay. What are the colors that you saw? They were varying shades, uh, two varying shades of blue and uh, a yellow one. Okay. Yeah. So getting back to, let's go back to the major wars in Rome before it collapsed, which would be the Punic Wars, kind of like the equivalent of World War I and World War II. They're fighting against Carthage. Is there reason to believe that Rome and Carthage at the highest levels were, in fact, that the leaders were talking to each other, secretly meeting with each other, and coordinating these wars somehow? Let me put all of this in a nutshell for you, and you can apply that to any war, conflict, and situation you want to. Yes, every single situation has been manipulated from both sides by a unseen guiding force that is, has evolved into what we call the elites now and is more formally known now as a secret earth government and their syndicates. But throughout the past, before they were more organized, they had different agendas, but they still had the power and they still had the access to these inner earth beings and non-terrestrials and the information from these beings and were following the agendas being given to them by these beings. How could the generals go out there on the battlefield and risk their lives if they know that this is fake? The generals don't know. The generals don't know. But that's the highest level of the military or pretty darn close, depending on the level of general. The generals are normally given an objective, and then they come up with the tactics and then delegate the rest of the logistics down to the ranks. The people in control, whether it back then, whether it was a priest caste, royalty, what have you, that is where the orders and the information was coming from most of the time. Now, were there generals, were there certain people that had contact with these beings and were out making these decisions and doing things around their leaders? 
I'm sure there were cases of that. And, uh, you know, some of these people probably then became king. When we're looking at the history of things like the Spanish-American War, we have the sinking of a ship. When we look at the origin of World War I, we have the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, the leader of Austria. When we look at America's entrance into World War II, we have the bombing of Pearl Harbor. We have the incidents in Vietnam that brought us into Vietnam. You know, these sparks, they seem kind of suspicious, don't they? Like the, the catalyzing event that throws somebody into war. If what you're saying is true, are these catalyzing events manipulated? Are they programmed? Are they scripted somehow? Yes. Every single one that's happened and any, any one that would happen in the future, very few wars have genuinely happened over misunderstandings. They've been manipulated by a higher power. Is there some kind of energy benefit that negative beings get from creating chaos? It, does, it, does it form a sustenance for them somehow? Why would they be so interested in creating what we would think of as the most unpleasant things that could happen on Earth? Well, it depends on the being. Of course, there are beings that vampire the, the negative energy louche that we're talking about. But it's not all about that. It's about control. It's about a chess player that thinks 50 moves down the road and they're manipulating and making, you know, uh, psychologically working against their enemy to make sure that that 49th move is still going to be viable. This is more complex than just, you know, you know, etheric beings wanting to to suck, you know, our energy from us. That's a big part of it that's occurring. But there's layers to the onion. And some of these beings are just using fear, chaos, to distract us from what we need to be paying attention to. Or um, in some cases, they're convincing their, the humans that follow them that if they create chaos, order will come from it because that's the natural order of the universe. Well, we see things like uh, the Spanish Empire, the Ottoman Empire, the British Empire, where relatively small countries end up building a massive amount of power by overtaking other countries, the Roman Empire being another example. Is this empire building part of the goal? Are they trying to dissolve nationality and national boundaries? Dif different groups have had goals of creating a one world, I guess, not really a one world government, but all these different groups that have controlled different areas of the globe or different um, populations of the globe have wanted to expand that power and control everything and push out, push their enemies off the globe or underground. So that's the new world order. Yes, that, that one particular scenario would be the new world order. So scenario. when they say new world order, is that word order, the order out of chaos that yes. they're trying to create? Why would they need to have every country under their control? Why wouldn't it be beneficial to them to have 
people that were still opposing them, why would they want to own and control everything? Until you logistically can control an entire planet, you want to have the entire planet at each other's throats. There's all these different groups that have different agendas and ideas. Some of them want to do population reduction. I mean, there, there's, there's many different agendas. And the ones we hear most about are the, the darker agendas of, you know, bringing the population down to 500,000, I think it is. and The Georgia Guidestones. Right, yeah. and, and different things. But, you know, there are a lot of different agendas and plans out there. Let's go with the Georgia Guidestones. It looks like Stonehenge. It's sitting there in Georgia, modern times. It's got these precepts that are carved in multiple languages. And the first one says to maintain a global population of 500 million or less. Why do they want to get rid of so many people? This just seems completely outrageous, doesn't make any sense at all. What's the idea here? What is the true reason they want to do it is, is really the good question. They say it's because the earth cannot sustain more than that, uh, the way we live. Humans are bad for the environment. Right. But what actually do they have planned? Why do they want to free up so much real estate on this planet? There were some of these New World Order groups that uh, were making some dark deals that were planning on giving away free entire continents to non-terrestrials. And some of those groups already have built embassies on those continents. It doesn't look like those land deals will be going forward now, but those were just some of the things that were going on. So there are treaties in place with certain ET factions. Multiple. And they are they homeless? They don't feel like they have a home planet anymore and they want to be here? There are groups that are very advanced that can sustain themselves almost indefinitely in the space in a space environment that are basically in a refugee status that would like to be in this coveted solar system. And there's obviously a lot about these different groups that we don't know. If it doesn't sound like someone we want to live on the planet, if a part of their negotiation is to reduce the population by such a large amount. Well, one of the things that other insiders told me is that some of these people can't breathe our air, that the air needs more oil in it, for right. example. Yeah, not exactly terraform. I can't remember what they called it, but it was a modification of the environment. Something about the nuclear radiation was going to have a byproduct on, on the environment that was more conducive to, to one of these species. Like they have a radiation-hardened body and it's actually better for them. Maybe, or, or it seemed like the radiation was going to have a long-term later um, benefit for them or, or something. Hmm. Um, that, that is something that I, I mean, I read that over 20 years ago. So there's, I can't remember the specifics on, on a lot of those individual plans. So what, you may not be able to answer this, but what percentage of the people who are actually working in the cabal are aware that they are being used by extraterrestrials who are trying to terraform our planet? I would be totally speculating, but uh, it seems like uh, a large number of them that have been 
coming over as material witnesses in this off-planet uh, witness protection program know quite a bit, and but they didn't know all the details. And what a lot of what made them flip is hearing more details from information that's been released that uh, scared the crap out of them. These people have also had to deal with these cabal groups cleaning house, worried about people testifying against them, having too much information, you know, too much knowledge about their dealings. So if there are Nuremberg type trials, they figure if we take out all the witnesses, you know, we don't have anything to worry about. Do you think that the cabal could be trying to deindustrialize the West? Oh, absolutely. Yes, the, the whole point is you take an industrial nation and move their jobs and that industrial ability over to a nation that, a third world nation that can do it cheaper and weaken that industrial nation that just so happened to have won two world wars. And if has been called a sleeping giant in the past, and if awoken, could cause them problems, problems again, even though they control it, you know, even though they control it, they, they still need to manage it and keep it weak. Why do you think so many of the people who write about this stuff online actually seem to worship the cabal with their fear that they see this as a towering enemy that has no possible solution. Why do you think we in general seem to believe this group to be supernatural and so powerful that nothing can be done? I mean, people are going to feel hopeless when they hear you tell well, us this. Because we buy into their propaganda. They've infiltrated the ufology community from the beginning, and they plant these seeds of hopelessness that, you know, they have all the power, they cannot be defeated, they are supernatural, they put in all of these different stories to make you think, you know, they're, you have to kill them with a silver bullet, and there's no hope when, you know, we actually have all the power. Well, it's nice for you to say that. It's like putting a little doily out there on well, the that's, tabletop. That's but... not a New Age platitude. That's, but that's... the people watching the show need you to tell them why they're still going to want to get up tomorrow morning and go to work. Because what you've said is extremely disturbing. It is. How do we stop these people? How do we just... Because people are going to think that this thing just has been going on for thousands of years. It's just going to keep going. What do we do? Is there anything we can do? Or is there anything being done about this? When, when you say this, it reminds me of uh, a kid's sh uh, movie an animated kids movie called A Bug's Life, where ants are being dominated by these grasshoppers that come in and take all their food. There's this, the leader of, of the grasshoppers, his name's Hopper, and, they're, and the other grasshoppers are like, you know, why do we need to go back? Why do we need to go back to these ants? And, you know, we don't need their food. And just one of them stood up to us. It was just one ant then the scene occurs to where he shows 
the power of one ant. We have power in numbers, don't we? Right. It's time for, you know, the ants to rise up against the grasshoppers. Would you say that people educating themselves is a very important part of that process and educating others? Yes. And then starting to spread that education to others through some very uncomfortable conversations. So would you say that this is ultimately going to be a grassroots effort that just involves each of us having more courage and speaking to people in a non-threatening way who may not already be convinced about this stuff? It's a good start. All right. That's all the time we have in this episode of Cosmic Disclosure. I'm your host, David Wilcock, and I thank you for watching.